This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Jobs for Negatron. Number one. Villa Park Stadium announcer. Please keep off the grass at all times. Encroaching the field of play will lead to a lifetime ban. That includes you, Whelan and Bjarnason. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Lansbury comes on to it, still Lansbury, fantastic strike by Henry Lansbury, he was given the space and he's arrowed that one in off the inside of the post, well talk about making an impact. Welcome to the My Own Men Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOwnMenSaid.com, and the usual guy joining me, Dan Rogers from TheVillaUnderground.com. Welcome! Hello! I am back for more. Why? Why have Villa had their Christmas party and we haven't had ours? It's a very good question. It's a bit, <laughs> bit, bit early. And why does always somebody dress up as a Power Ranger at these things? I mean... It was it's the 80s, 90s. Can't can't you think of a better costume? I'm talking to you, Jack Grealish, than a than a Power Ranger. I mean, it's a bit mm. lame, isn't it? I'd have had him more as the pink one as well. What was what was Yedinak? What I don't know. Uh, what film is it from? A blue monkey dressed up with wings. Is it from like Wizard of Oz or something? Mm. Didn't have him done for a Wizard of Oz fan. Do you know what I'm talking about? The the monk blue monkey suit with the wings, and it's got like well, those monkey monkeys where those little how many times uh, you say monkey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those little red band costume with the little little red hats and the little uh, golden breasts with mm, symbols. Tell normally. me more about the golden breasts. I don't know, but uh, yeah, check out the picture. You obviously haven't seen it because you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I was more fixated upon Hutton and, and Gabby's coming to America. To be honest, it was <laughs> caught my eye. We'll get on to that uh, in a second. Are you staying up for the cricket, or do you just wake up in the morning to see if England have performed a miracle? It will have to be a miracle. Listen, we need 178 as it stands. So when this podcast goes out, it'll either be the greatest ever run chase in history. Or Are they chasing like something like 350 and that's only been done 10... They've only attempted that 10 times before. I don't know if that's like away from uh, England and they failed every time. Yeah, I don't think I think, I think don't think we've ever got more than 100. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it's the statistic. But, uh, you know, you can, you know, as we've proven before, you can read what you want into statistics and you can stick them. I'm a passive cricket fan, although I, I do go like once a year. But I kind of quite enjoy the, just waking up in the morning and like you kind of come into your senses <laughs> and you go, Oh, just, just just see what's been going on down under. I do kind of envy. I do kind of envy Villa fans in the other in the other hemisphere actually, because they can wake up and go, huh, "Yes, lost again." <laughs> 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 
Last seven years, they can just wipe. But that losing mentality is long gone now. Yes, Mr. we are winners. Mr. Winners. Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and we are now of the winning creed. Anyway, let's go into the uh, the three points of the week, and mm. uh, let's go straight into the, uh, well, yes. a couple of, couple of things on the Gabbister. Number one, coming to America, which uh, we are referring to the Christmas party. That was a good outfit. I, that was but a the good fun, fun, fun thing about this was I just posted it with the uh, the famous line from Coming to America: "The royal penis is clean, Your Highness." Yes. And I just that's all I put in, <laughs> and put it on Facebook and Twitter. And on Facebook, I mean, it always happens. Uh, people take things literally, and they just saw that picture, and they Ugh. what they saw in their eyes, in what was going on in their heads was. Here's somebody who thinks he's a fucking king, uh, dressed up as some kind of uh, <laughs> like Mugabe, <laughs> thinking he's all that or something. And there's you know this big long paragraph tirade against him and what a you know parasite he is, blah blah. blah until people are saying, "Dude, chill. It's just, it's a, just Christmas a Christmas party. <laughs> it's fancy dress. Have you seen Coming to America?" Jesus but Christ. to his credit, I thought that was the best costume of of the lot. I would agree. I would totally agree. I thought it was a really good. He pulled it off very well as well, even he did. with the, the, the draped uh, <laughs> the draped leopard skin over his shot. He was perfect. Yeah, too. to his credit, and obviously this his his football achievements while this podcast has been running are, are next to zero, apart from uh, the odd goal against the Blues. Yeah, that's it. Probably in his top three Villa contributions of all time. But uh, within the same week, it was a Bruce quote, wasn't it, saying he should feel free to uh, approach other clubs. Hmm. He's, he can into the last six months, isn't he? As of January, so he's it's a mad situation that he got himself back into some sort of shape and do I even say contention because a couple of the local press is sort of suggesting that that he was he was back and firing and and was going to be the answer to all of our prayers. I remember it slightly differently that he he came back, he scored on the opening day and got dropped after the terrible defeat to Cardiff. I I thought it was yeah, and then he got injured. Not that he was some sort of resurgent. And he hardly ever gets injured on the actual pitch. It's always behind closed doors. So. Yeah, weird, though. Not, not that I'm being cynical or, no, or anything. Really odd, isn't it? But, well, it's, it's not even a conversation. Uh, he, he should he should try to uh, go somewhere else. It was something I mentioned off-air to you, and I'm sure we've discussed it before. He's only 31, and it's bonkers that he, he is past it. And he is past it. And we've got... He's given us great moments across the years, those single moments, a lot of them in the Blues derbies, but... We need to move on now, and I think that this is... Well, there was the debate, wasn't there, before in, he should have gone to Reading. He had the opportunity to go to Reading, and he turned it down, and he actually got bagged out by the owner, didn't he, for not taking that move. Hypothetically, where do you see him ending up? What kind of level? I, I see him probably some... I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team took a punt on him in, in our division. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, th- I think they'd, they'd half his wages at least. I think that's that's always been the barrier, hasn't it? That you know, even when even when that Reading move was was mooted, I would have thought Villa would have been heavily subsidising that. The negotiations swung the other way, hasn't it? Now because Gabby needs two things: he probably needs to secure a move so that he's you know he can. I mean, he's not he's not a poor man, but he can command a wage somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, he needs to be playing, doesn't he? Because he's not playing any football. So yeah, well, he, apparently he's back in training now, and mm. he's again he's starting. The local press are starting to uh, write about him as if he's the answer to back up Davis. It's bizarre. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, uh, for me, Davis is is going to start. The, the only thing that will, will dictate it will be injury or absolute fatigue for for Davis. I think I just don't see Gabby being in Bruce's thoughts. And I, I really do think the second that the, the transfer window opens, I think we'll be in the market for someone. Yeah, and I mean at the moment I would. Say them. I mean, I think Bruce will try to get a young, a young, let's say, uh, top yeah. six or seven teams, and uh, just see who's on their stockpile. Yeah, I mean, yeah. is it James Wilson of Manchester United who uh, was on loan at Derby last season, right, having yeah. been at Brighton before? But he got injured very early on in the season, so that kind of curtailed uh, making any impression there. That's why we never heard about him uh, last season. So, I mean, I checked his record for United reserves that are under 23s, as they as they refer to them now. Mm. He's, I think he scored like five in the last five games. I mean, he's uh, regularly putting them in. And he's he scored a couple of yeah. goals on his United debut for proper a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, no, no doubt. So I would ra- I'd rather ha- yeah, I'd rather have him than a Gabby. Well, exactly, and um, I, I think... Just a natural finisher. A natural finisher. I mean, Gabby's struggled with his finishing. We've discussed always, that to, to, to always, death, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, I mean, it's not... We know everything there is to know about Gabby, and 
I think we need to just draw a line and, and the other thing is that if this is genuinely going to be a push for promotion, be it through automatics, which I think will be a stretch as us at the moment, but into the playoffs, I think we need far more reliable firepower, both in terms of availability and goals. Just on the, the same subject, Alan Hudson is also approaching his end, well, last year of his contract. So mm. where, where do you see that one going? Uh, I think if we don't make it up, I could see that being renewed. Or extended. I think if we get promoted, I think you'll see. I think you'll see Hutton move on. Yeah, no, I, I, I was going to say exactly the same thing. I mean, we've got a few, <laughs> got a few Goodness right. Me, you're a learned follower of this football club. We've got a a few right backs, and Alan mm. Hudson is uh, not a Premier League uh, right back anymore. I mean, yeah. we we know why because uh, yes, effort, yes, tackles, yep. but you need more in the modern day in terms of going forward. Yep. Ten out of ten for effort, but I think that he, again, he's another one we know everything about him and uh, it depends on what, what path our, our club takes I think over the next six months uh, Number two John mm. Terry John Terry snapped in a Chelsea snapped as in pictured in a Chelsea kit at uh, Chelsea's uh, is it Cobham the re- rehabilitation yeah. uh, facility mm. uh, by David Louise Chelsea's shorts t- Chelsea top I, I actually saw your Twitter response and mm. uh, to this uh, so uh <laughs> You don't you don't care that he's now playing for he, Chelsea. He can rehabilitate as my my tweet was that he can rehabilitate at Small Heath in a mankini. It really doesn't matter that I think this notion this this romantic idea that that John Terry is sleeping under an Aston Villa bed quilt every night in the North Stand is 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 a bit bizarre. At the end of the day, he's, he clearly you know he's got all that history, all you know, all that career at Chelsea. Obviously, got a home nearby. Knows all the facilities, knows all the people there. Looks you know. like he's got a key to the facilities as well. <laughs> key to the facilities, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. I wonder if they could take some of our other crocked players. Um, <laughs> my point is really, I don't think it really matters. I, I'm not saying that it's my default setting for, for all footballers who we might have on our books, but I don't see any harm in this at all. You know, And, and I'm just going to make one comparison, one comparison, because it's not a question of his commitment either, because Terry was at Leeds, Terry was at QPR, Etc. Etc. Yeah. Who wasn't? I didn't see Gabby anywhere. But no, in, in terms of John Terry, uh, there's three things you you really need to know about him, really. And uh, one is he is a committed uh, footballer mm. and you know winner for Villa. The second is uh, yeah. he likes yeah. to uh, put every meal that he eats on Instagram. <laughs> and and God, and the good. third and the third one is he he does really genuinely love Chelsea. Yeah, and I mean it's I don't know what I I, I don't see that being a problem really. You know it's. Yeah, there's no problem. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> there's no problem. And the third thing, uh, that, and this isn't a Villa one, but it's somebody who now has sort of scored the same amount of goals as Gabby this season, and that's uh, <laughs> Benevento's goalkeeper, Alberto Brignoli, whose goal is one of the best goals I've ever seen, I think. Uh, yes, the uh, celebration was super. But Benevento hadn't, hadn't secured one point in Serie A uh, this season. So that, so they were there, uh, played 14, lost 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were uh, home to AC Milan. And AC Milan not going great guns at the moment. Um, no. lot, all, all kinds of problems at that, that club at the moment. While uh, Inter march on at the top. And uh, they were 2-1 down. I think it was the 94th minute. They had a free kick. I think the commentator uh, says this has to be a good one, and he uh, he chips it in. If you haven't seen the video, and flying header by the goalkeeper had come up for like the, uh, the free kick, like a salmon, <laughs> like a salmon, just flung himself at the ball with his eyes closed as well. Oh, and, uh, what a finish! And the celebrations, you know, everybody, it, it kind of brought back. Why? Why you like football? It was just one of those moments yeah. where you can appreciate, you know, the joy in the supporters. Obviously, having a, a shitty season and uh, not expected to do anything, but it was it was a great, great footballing moment. I think there's something, as you say, innate about about that type of goal. You know, the the story of you know that uh, of Benevento not even having a point, and that's one of those things. When I saw the video, I thought, surely that can't be right. It's December, yeah. You know, and, and you're googling. God, God it's true. And, and also that that childish thing that inner child of, of a goalkeeper scoring as well. And, and we were talking off air or I was mentioning off air about the Schmeichel goal for Villa that, that when they happen, you don't appreciate how yeah. rare 
they are when they do occur. And I mean, the Schmeichel one was just a consolation goal. Uh, yeah, it was a so, nondescript, this, meaningless. So this one to actually have significance was uh, was a real, real big deal, and and it was a kind mm. of romantic mm. significance because it was it's not mm. as if they were winning anything or anything. It was their their first no. point of the season, first point in Syria as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Right, moving on, uh, just want to uh, thank a couple of patrons and apologise to one, uh, Dr. Ali Hamard, who uh, I pronounced his name wrong last time. Sorry, I, I should have I should have realised the two A's is pronounced Ard. But thank you very much for joining us as a patron and also to Dean Gregory as well for signing up. Please do support the show. Let's try to get to 100 patrons uh, by the turn of the year. Go to myomensaid.com and click on the patron option in the menu bar for more details. We should all be bringing you this week uh, a bonus Patreon podcast addressing some of the issues that uh, supporters have got in touch with us about. We'll be discussing things like the lack of passion in the stands. Uh, Also, surely there must be a better option than Samba. And also uh, supporters' concerns about the various parasites still at the club and will we be able to get rid of them in January. So uh, do sign up and as well as uh, rewards and by the way they've got a few uh, bit of a bounty coming for Christmas it seems if uh, today was anything to go by so do sign up and as well as uh, reward draws there's also bonus podcasts and you support the show in a massive way right let's move on to the last game which mm. was against Leeds United Leeds, at Ellen Road Leeds Leeds Leeds, 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 Yorkshire, Yorkshire, Yorkshire I enjoyed the game uh, in a weird way at the end, I, I was probably the most satisfied I've mm. felt, not the probably not the most, but one of the most satisfying mm. results of the season because it showed that we had a bit of a backbone. We, we actually witnessed the miracle of all miracles, Steve Bruce actually making a decisive uh, mm-hmm. substitution mm-hmm. move. And it, yeah, it showed we weren't we weren't this kind of lily white, weak willed, wishy washy team as we were last season. One one point before we go into it: sixty five minute subs came on, mm. Grealish and Lansbury. Mm. Last season, sixty seventh minute, pretty much mm. the same time, Grealish came on. It was nil nil at that time. Mm. Within a minute, Leeds had scored, <laughs> and then uh, they obviously scored again and won two nil. So that symbolically I think is pretty much sums up the transition from last season to this season mm. subs come on and it turns the result positively in in our favor not just uh you know desperately let's put him on just to try you know try something but the first half good god it looked like there was no way we were going to get out of that I think we approached the game all wrong I think we saw for the first time the major shortcoming with a player like Samba where I mean th- I think we've been we're always fair, I think, with with players at, at the club. But his defending for that corner was absolutely atrocious. And is it fair to single him out for that? Because I think he was caught flat-footed. But the, I remember mm. the commentator saying, "Oh, he should be goal side." He was goal side. It was just that that guy, yeah. the ball was was pinging towards him. You know, it was an outswinger, and he uh, he took a leap on Samba. It was yeah. almost like Samba had to like almost. I think it was like zonal marking. He had to pick him up, but before he even uh, you know the light bulb was, went off, it was in the net. Yeah, I think it was the lack of anticipation, perhaps you know flat footedness, lack of anticipation. Samba's the centre half. He has to expect that the player, you know, if it's not the player he's marking, it, it's it, you've just got to get in front of that ball. And he was he was nowhere near it for me. I'm quite positive on Samba. I think he's he's not particularly cultured, but generally quite effective. That was the first moment where I thought, wow, you've You've cost us there. What I would say, though, is I mean, you have uh, to give credit to Pontus Janssen because I that was a that was sublime. That was what centre back should be doing, attacking yeah. the corner at speed with such vigour as well. I'm going to say something controversial about about Janssen, and it, and it might stand in contrast to some of the tweets and some of the. He's one of those players who I think fans love to hate that he he was he was dirty. He was in the referee's ear all the time. He was. I mean, feigning injury. Ultimately, I think it cost him for the for the tackle that he put in on Taylor that the ball broke for, to Lansbury for the goal. D- dare I say he might be the kind of player we'd want in our squad? Well, I'll leave that out there. I'm not sure if he is or he isn't. A lot of the players had a similar attitude to him. Mm. I mean, you know, Ronaldo Vieira was was all over the place in the midfield, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Villa Villa were just taken back by the the kind of pressing that Leeds were doing. It was like high 
high energy or high mm. octane or whatever superlative you want to use and uh, it forced them back and there was there was a massive uh, void between the villa midfield or the central midfielders and uh, kieran davis and they just couldn't uh, get anything going and mm. there was no transition or progression and that's why there was a switch because the one good thing was there was no no way leeds could keep up that intensity for the whole no, of the game no. and i think bruce yeah, Bruce kind of knew that, and the substitutes that came on were you obviously instructed uh, them to play further forward because Lansbury, mm. for example, coming on for Conor Hurahan, who was playing pretty deep, mm-hmm. but when Lansbury played, he was playing you know further forward across the halfway line and in and started to dictate play more. Yeah, I think that the 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 changes were positive and they they immediately swung the game in our favour. It, it was exactly. It seemed very obvious, I suppose, with the benefit of hindsight, that it immediately gave Leeds something to think about. As you say, the game was was switching in terms of stamina and uh, Leeds' ability to maintain that intensity. I, I, I thought that it was it was great to see Lansbury in a, in a more advanced role, which was the role we'd seen him at, at Forest. Yeah. So, and it's it's kind of like the Hurahan effect that you 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 anchor Hurahan or or Lansbury in front of the defence. It's not their position. It's not their role. It's not the attributes that they've been known to be good for. Grealish came on and, and had an effect, and that's positive because you know he he'd been earmarked. I think before that horrendous injury, this was to be his season where he could hopefully springboard his own career and us somewhere else. So that's that's a welcome bit of positive news. And, and as you, as you said at the outset, really, that it showed for the first time that we had a bit of guile about us. That we sniffed that a team was struggling. I didn't think Leeds were particularly were particularly effective at what they were doing. I thought they broke quite well. I thought that they had some tidy looking players. I can see why they're not up at the top of the league though yeah because they didn't really have any end product no you know they had one shot on target mm. uh, in, term, in terms of the stats which obviously mm. was a goal I mean Cooper the, the other centre back obviously had the ball in the net as well mm. and that was one of those it was one of those classic situations where while it looked like they completely controlled the game they didn't put the game away no, and they didn't. They opened the back door basically for Villa to come, and you know Villa were always the more likely to win that once they had equalised. Well, and the other thing about the game was, and it's it's uh, we're starting to, well, I'm starting to sound like a bit of a broken record to some degree with Whelan, is that we won the midfield because we had someone marauding in front of the the, the centre halves, and Whelan just he, he broke everything up. You know, any anything where he had a sniffer that he could get in in the gap or you know disrupt or put a foot in he was there and for teams like Leeds who try to play quite a technical you know modern uh, way of football which is which is fine but when you've got a disruptor like Whelan who actually played some of their I think lack of end product played into his hands because he, he read it on on any, any number of occasions across the 90 minutes I thought and that, that really did play to our advantage. Yeah, you were, we were talking about Samba, but mm. I thought Samba, after being caught with his pants mm. down, did, mm. uh, I mean, he played it simple. You, you saw how he, how it looks like he's been told to play it simple. Yeah. Because sometimes, like, when normally you would, you know, there was a clearance on, and instead of welling it up the line, he would just, like, almost, like, side-foot it out yeah. for yeah. a throw-in. And that was because he was, like, cautious. He wasn't just going to lash it and it would rebound off a player and then cause no, no. confusion. So it was a very measured and controlled performance by uh, Samba, despite... Uh, I thought, aside from the goal, he, he wasn't, you know, he, he didn't have a bad game. I think that it's it's the te- it's the moments that can cost you. And, and from my point of view, I, I look o- over the 90 minutes, I think if he'd have had that, that moment of concentration from that corner, which was a pivotal moment of the game as well, that 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 1-1 draw becomes nil-nil at half-time and you're coming out the other half with all the things that we've been talking around around Leeds' intensity and stamina dropping off to actually that I wonder whether that was the game plan because you look at our setup in in the, in the first yeah. half very negative soak it up and broadly we did that didn't we you know they had one chance ultimately and it came from in my view a mistake actually come 60th minute throw in, throw in Grealish and Lansbury you know the perfect game plan really it still worked in that we managed to claw our way back in but you know it could have been a completely different result in my view yeah I think another reason I don't think uh, Davis was getting any purchase out of uh, Janssen or Cooper I thought they did very well in terms of their uh, defensive play no he was very isolated and I think he struggled for it on Omar being because he's very good when he gets the ball uh, of hustling opportunities mm. out mm. of nothing. Can he? Because he gets the ball, he turns, he goes direct, and he and he attacks defenders. But those guys uh, were both Cooper and Johansson are like no nonsense type of players, and they didn't really they didn't buckle under it. No, you know, like for example, Norwich did. Yeah, I think something we've said before as well with with Davis and I was just mentioning Onoma that these are you know they're not twenty yet these guys and there are going to be games where this is a learning curve as well 
you know, as much as anything. And they won't have come across, you know, Janssen's been, you know, is a, is a Swedish international, for God's sake. You know, he's, yeah. he's no mug. Because um, they're used all, to playing uh, under-23 youth level. Yeah. So they they, when it comes yeah. to the bruisers, it's uh, it's a different ball game. Absolutely, absolutely. Anomar seems to be doing a good game, bad game, good game, bad game, alternating routine. I put that down to, again, the fact that he's, he's barely old enough to buy a beer. You know, he's still, he's still learning his trade. And I think that when you, it is a positive trait. That positive trait is that he'll keep trying to do the right thing. And when you're having a bad day, sometimes you've just got to play it simple. And I think he struggles for that, That and it can build up to becoming, uh, you know, the narrative on, when you look on social media is that suddenly he's a, he's a shit player, haul him off. Yeah, you know, bullshit, pick, pick yeah. Lansbury next week, Lansbury must start. Well, hang on a minute, let's, let's just look at why we are where we are. It's not because he had one bad game or, you know, like, I, I think on him it's even more that he can have very good 45 minutes and he's very much, I think, a, a, he mirrors Villa. You know that we have what you know we struggle to put together 90, 90 good minutes. Yeah. You know when he has a really bad game, I think it, it it sticks out because actually he's he's such a technically excellent footballer and links very well with Davis ordinarily. That when it doesn't work for him, he he really st- it really it sticks out, doesn't it? Yeah, he just seemed a bit flustered because some mm. of his passing, el- elementary passing, yep, was yep. Uh, really really sloppy, but. Uh... Youthful you know, confidence, wasn't it? It was one of those. But yeah, as as we as we've said before, uh, when we're singing his praises, he mm. does in- inject that kind of electricity into Villa going forward uh, from the midfield. Mm. Snodgrass doing his lap of honour—that was quite uh, <laughs> <laughs> bizarre. But he he seems to be—I've um, looked looked into this. He seems to be kind of a virtuous guy when it comes to whatever team he's playing for. Their supporters, because the West Ham fans, some of them. Uh, at least have spoken highly of him and mm. of his kind of attitude, despite how he was, you know, how well, let's not say he was dealt with badly there because, you know, maybe he's not good enough to get in the team. You know, it's a matter of opinion, but, mm. it, you know, it wasn't all plain sailing there. So he kind of kept his head up and uh, his dignity. And then to do the uh, lap of honour against Leeds after four years there, despite getting mm. booed and jeered, uh, <laughs> Shows you, he's. I think he's he's a very earnest individual, just in terms of the effort he puts in. Like you know, yeah. it's hard. To, it's hard to say Snodgrass plays badly because I thought Snodgrass would be like a bit of a headline maker for Villa in terms of uh, scoring free kicks and scoring goals, and uh, you know, he'd walk away from Villa with a nice highlights reel. But it's it's, it's his blue collar graft that's his impressed me the is, most. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, yeah, that will be the thing that I'll I'll probably take from Snodgrass because I. You know whether we keep him or not. He's, he's, I think he's contributed massively and continues to. The, the funny yeah. thing with the with the Leeds thing, and you get the boos and the jeers, is I think we were looking before the game. You know, he's he's like their second highest ever goal scorer at this level behind McCormack. You know, yeah. it's a massive contribution, and um, he's got all the attributes really to to drag you kicking and screaming out of this league. My personal view, and it's it's not dissimilar to that we've just been saying about Hutton, really is that I can see, and I've mentioned before, why he hasn't made the grade at Premier League level. I think he's got great work ethic, but I don't think he's quite in that notch above a footballer that, that really is uh, you know, technically excellent and is the difference. And uh, do you think Lansbury? It's, it's easy, you know, one week somebody scores and everybody uh, hails yeah. him as, uh, and it's mainly the local media that kind of fuels that. Mm. But you just judge his forest form and the amount of goals he scored. I mean, he's he's what is he like a one in four, one mm. in five kind of player? He's, he scored. He should be. He scored about thirty-five. I mean, I don't know this. I don't have the stats to hand, but he scored about thirty-five goals in about one hundred and forty appearances or something like that. So mm. his goals in him, and I mean, he scored six goals for Forest last season, and in the, I think that was in seventeen games, and then mm. in eight, eighteen appearances for Villa, he's, he scored Jack Jack all. So he's he he's got goals in him. It's as simple as that. It's it's simple. Yeah, I, I do think it's simple. I think it's very similar to Grealish's situation. Is that what what we need from Lansbury is consistency. Now, from his point of view, he 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 might take the view look. One, I need to be playing. I mean, granted, he's had an injury lately, but he, he played enough last season. But he also needs to be played in the right position. Yeah, it's horror, and the horror right all over again. He has been... It, it really hampered us, I think, at the turn of the year when there was this strange decision that, that Bruce took. And and I think it was... Bruce has been very upfront about this, that he last season wasn't really about getting promotion. It was about stabilising us, wasn't it? You know, but we, we were we were precarious uh, at the turn of the year. And I think what that did was it really hampered the the settling in and progression of, of Lansbury. And so all I see it as being is that, you know, if Lansbury does get picked next week, you know, and, and we're talking about dropping a player like Onoma to accommodate him, 
he has to perform to to the level that the player going out has been and perhaps contribute like you say that that ratio of goals and I think it's a similar chat for Grealish, really. Too. Well, that's that's the thing. It's I think they're all battling for the same position. I think so. I don't think it's a bad co- problem to have. And I, I think we saw at Leeds why you might want to start with a certain combination of players. And then you've got the ability to switch it because not only does it's not a like-for-like like swap, you know, Onoma, Lansbury and Grealish aren't interchangeable. You know, you can't, they're not yeah. samey. So that's a good thing. But what it does do, it opens up the issues. What is your best 11 and what's your starting and finishing 11? And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. One thing also is Yedinek now being uh, mm. hardly a surprise, actually, uh, that he's uh, now out, uh, well, at least until January, it seems. Mm. Which, so of course, means he'll probably still play for Australia. Exactly, he'll be back. He'll play every every minute of the World Cup. Uh, yeah. There's no, no doubt about that. I mean, he's played less playing time than Gabby has this season, so that kind of shows mm. you the contribution. But he did have a use in, in terms on the subs bench as, as being somebody who essentially is covering two positions, centre-back yeah. and yeah. also midfielder. And also he was Bruce's favourite well, his favorite play, wasn't it? Was bringing mm. him on mm. in the last 15 minutes or mm. so mm. just to uh, close so up shop. Mm. Which I think in this... December run of games would have been a useful time. Uh, it's probably the most useful contribution or useful period that Yedinak could have played in was this December. I think it's a big loss. I really yeah. think it's a big loss. And as, as a fan base, probably focusing upon the striker problem, inverted commas, I think that the big worry is we were reliant upon um, Whelan, who is, what, 33 plus now? And it's a similar discussion. I mean, he's, he's. I think he's got the engine in him for the role that, um, we need him for, but it's that interchangeable, you know, three games in a week type situation. The same problem we've got with Samba, really. You know, yeah. that, that not having Terry around as, as as the main choice, and then you can swap in and out when you when you want to. Is that there's no? I can't think of who the next person is, and that's why we bought Whelan, isn't it? It's no more complicated than that. That we yeah. In terms of centre back, there, I mean, Tommy Tommy Elphick. Let's let's not I forget. Yeah, but let's not him. let's not forget. He played for Bournemouth as their captain centre back when they when they got promoted. He did, he did. So is is this another example of somebody who like Lansbury, who was the dog's bollocks at Forest, and Connor Hurahan, who was the dog bollocks at Barnsley? Is he is Tommy Elphick somebody who's suddenly crap when he comes to the Villa? Well, and, yeah, uh, that's that's something. Can Tommy Elphick surely cover four games to some decent yeah. standard? Surely he must be able well, to do yeah. that, or at least you're, a couple, at least. <laughs> you're baiting me now because you know I'm a firm believer that a player doesn't doesn't suddenly become shit. I mean, we've we Villa have had a, <laughs> the amazing ability of coaching good the good attributes out of players, but because um, he was on Elphick the he was, he was on the mm. bench, so he was. Uh, he was. The, the glaring issue that I you often see with footballers, and it was the same with Samba at the beginning and Yedinak and, and others, when you don't have match sharpness, the worst thing that can happen is you get thrown in when a team really needs you to be performing. Yes, but he's got a he's got a nice FA Cup game against Wokim or uh, Peterborough <laughs> to get him up to speed again. You see, I heard that that would be the Mika Richards testimonial. Uh, <laughs> 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 Remember him? I mean, it, it, well, 
let's not go there. Um, can Alfie do a job? He should be able to do a job. He's a well-paid professional footballer with the experience. Practically speaking, you know, I forget the game that he played. It was a bit of a ropey game earlier this season, cup game, I forget now. But he's in the in and around the periphery of the squad. I'd like to think he'd take a view that it was, at the very least, shop window for him. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I'm thinking that's not a crisis position. I mean, that's where I'm where, where I'm coming mm. from here. In this Ooh. level, we're talking no. the championships. No. I, don't, I don't see... He's known as a superior championship defender. Absolutely. I... I I don't think it's crisis point there. I th- I think the there's the, two crises. I think the two crisis points are at the moment is if if there's another injury, if either Whelan gets injured Correct. or Keenan Davis gets injured, that's when the problems are. Correct. And, and the the real worry is if it was to happen now, playing you know prophet of doom as I like to, it's a bloody long time till January. Yeah. In terms of games, it is. Yeah. There's a and lot of games. And we're talking about. I think this is a period. What's the significance of December? I think it decides whether we're an automatic promotion team or not. I don't yeah. think it will. It won't affect us getting into the playoffs. It's not going to suddenly uh, knock us out of that. I mean, we could lose all of the games and we'd still be in with a shout for that. Mm. But uh, in terms of automatic promotion, because Wolves are. You know, Wolves' potential banana skin against the Blues, well, maybe that's been a bit optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw that picture of the halftime entertainment where they boarded up the goal, uh, and I think they put holes in when and fans come on and try to put the ball in, you know, through the holes. But they should have just left it up there, and uh, even then, uh, Blues wouldn't have uh, no. stopped Wolves. But, uh, oh, but that was quite yeah. impressive. That was a, that was showed that Wolves can do the nitty gritty as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. They seem uh, and to then be the other ones, Cardiff, uh, Cardiff don't seem to be messing around. I mean, this is obviously your prediction was they were going to fail and drop mm-hmm. like a lead balloon. <laughs> and be lucky to finish in the top half, but uh, I told you, weren't Warnock was sniffing sniffing promotion? He's he's uh, not messing around. No, they they were quite effective against Norwich, weren't they? Recently? And there's always mm-hmm. always an unlikely team, uh, unlikely from the, from the point of the start of the season that always pulls a few surprises. Let's not forget Huddersfield were predicted to yeah. get to drop. Well, Cardiff would be the team I would be circling, and I think that's why you're you're alluding to the the doomsday December, aren't you? That. We Cardiff for the team. I think if if they got a couple of injuries and you know you've got a you've got a big run of games now and you know you know they are they do lose games Cardiff. Yeah. I, I think I think this is the key bit that Wolves. Well, what will be will be with Wolves. Either they're going to they're going to continue on this ridiculous run or they'll hit a blip. And I think we need to park that. I think you need to just start circling teams above you. And Sheffield United seem to be on a bit of a wobble for me. And Cardiff, I think, are the ones you want to be circling, saying, right, over the next eight games, this is where we want to be. Because the thing is, come the uh, the second half of the season, hmm. your Wolves, Cardiff, Sheffield United all have to visit Villa Park. So Absolutely. Villa, if they stay in touch with these uh, teams, Absolutely. still have destiny in their own, own hands. Well, in a, in a league format as well, that's a nine-point swing that you can affect over the top three positions as well. That's massive. Yeah, when we beat Wolves, when we beat Wolves five 0 at Villa Park, that will just demoralise them, and they'll collapse for the (laughs) rest of the season. (laughs) Collapse into the rosé. Our next three points, hopefully, uh, Millwall. Mm. I mean, the headline is they haven't won away from home yet this season. Mm. Yep, that's. (laughs) But what's what's the cliche thing is to say? Well, we're better place to come than pay the Villa at Villa Park. Yeah, and you know the other saying is. The other saying is, "What could go wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've have managed to fashion fashion um, impressive banana skins of our own. I I don't see it with Millwall. I have to admit that looking before we started, you know, they they beat Sheffield Wednesday at home last time, mate. But they're even their last three away games. You know, they lost to Sheffield Wednesday, they lost to Fulham, and they only managed to draw with Sunderland, which is the the third furthest away game, if if you like. And and that that was at a point when Sunderland were at their very lowest ebb. And yeah. you think, well, that's that's pretty dismal. I think it's the easiest game we've got in December, if that, if that means anything. On, on paper, it certainly is. On paper, it certainly is, and they're the, the least outside the stadium. Maybe not so easy, but, uh, yeah, but <laughs> judging by judging by what the police are doing, it's the, it's basically going to be police like the Blues derby. I, I don't understand this because we, you know, we we covered the arrest league table the last time we met, and you know, I took the liberty of looking at where they came in in the League One, you know, firm arrest leagues. You know, behind Sheffield United, Coventry, Bradford, I think they're they're slipping. To be honest, I mean, if all of Coventry's fans, thirty-four of them, were arrested last season, and you've come behind them, <laughs> as a firm, you need to look yourself squarely in your Stone Island branded mirror. Don't don't tempt them. <laughs> but uh, but one 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 of the reasons why. 
there's this kind of heightened alert to uh, Millwall coming to Villa. I mean, obviously the reputations, but you know, you know, every most clubs have got reputations like Leeds and Villa, I Chelsea. Think this is fair. It is well earned. The last thing that happened was. <laughs> 2010, when Villa Villa played Millwall in a in a FA Youth Cup game, and now you know set the scene. Anybody who's who's ever who's not never been to an FA Cup Youth game, this is where like yeah, you kind of local fans uh, mm. kind of diehards. They take their kids, family. It's a cheap season ticket holders get in free. Mm. It's there'll, there'll be a lot of like family of the players, and it's more. It's, 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 it's there's a kind of a going to watch Sunday League kind of vibe about yeah, it's it. A couple it's, of hundred know, people normally. Isn't it's a bit it? of a jolly, you know, people drinking soup and coffee. There's no <laughs> nobody's drinking beers or anything. It's all. Uh, so like a family day out or family night out. Now Millwall, some of the I think their firm hired a van. There's about thirteen, fifteen of them turned up, and uh, I think they got th- thrown out uh, around half time. Or, or they left after Villa were like three 0 up, and then uh, they were kind of hanging around, and then started allegedly racially abusing fans and kicking up a fuss, and fights broke out, and uh, basically terrorising people, and then. Allegedly, they went to the petrol station to get petrol to firebomb the adventurer's pub to go in there and basically <laughs> ransack it. And it's like, guys, this is a, it's a fucking it's Tuesday game. night. It's a Tuesday night. What's <laughs> the point of hiring a bloody van coming up to Villa Park? Because, because you know, a lot of hooliganism is about the fame and it's about the notoriety infamy. and infamy. infamy. And you're not going to get that going to a youth game where there's actually no Villa Villa lads there. There's nobody there. To actually, you know, claim that you conquered them or whatever. I mean, don't forget, we're fourth in the arrest table. So, yeah, fair yeah. enough. If you want to have a go uh, on the on the match day, that's uh, you'd understand the mentality. <laughs> but at a youth game, it's uh, it's, it's just bizarre. But uh, so that's and- so the incidents from seven years ago are one of the reasons why uh, there's this kind of heightened alert. But the funny thing is, made me laugh was the headline. Uh, I think it was the Birmingham Mail, where they say, uh, please say, well, Millwall fans, welcome at German Market. Mm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, fuck. If you, if you, any plans on the German Market uh, on Saturday, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go if I was you. I'd, I'd, what, what, maybe Sunday would be better. <laughs> that's the reason those giant concrete bollards have gone down. It's got nothing to do with counter-terror. It's in case they drive their minivan down there. <laughs> <laughs> the lads are turning out for a sausage. Let's say Millwall have come for trouble. It's just, I think that's bizarre. Yeah, don't rec- even bring re- it up. Is it, Isn't it <laughs> reckless? Isn't it reckless to go, yeah, everybody's welcome to the German market for one big, you know, you can, where you can walk around with a big two litre tankard of glass to whack somebody in, a, <laughs> in the club, face with. <laughs> club someone to death with a giant sausage in a tankard. It's fucking ram an ostrich burger down your throat, you middle class bastards. <laughs> As well as the game, I'm quite intrigued to to find out how the German market pans out on a on a Saturday evening. Good luck, Jesus. good luck with that one. May you all rest in peace, city of Birmingham. <laughs> Where were the Blues playing? I don't hear the Blues playing, but if they see the German market alert, because they've got some beef with uh, Millwall as well, as well as Villa, so it'd Just be a, a little big, bit, yeah. be like a bit of a three way. Uh, it's like that WWF where it's was it, everybody gets in the ring and who who lasts the longest, who who can stay the longest in the German market. <laughs> Go on, cage fight. Like I don't know, maybe they'll sit down drinking mulled ciders and yeah. no, reminiscing no. about the old times when they were stamping on each other's faces. In the perfect world, that that would be a nice. Uh, the German market is a place. It's like a neutral ground where everybody uh, shares cigarettes and uh, buys each other beers. Anyway, it'll be fun. I'm sure. It'll all be peaceful and fun. Right, let's just finish. We still haven't come up with a name for it yet, this closing segment. We'll still go with the provisional title of Under the Hammer, which where we give a verdict on various uh, listener concerns. I want to go for Emmett Sutton's as the first mm. one, which is something uh, I found quite interesting. I think we, we, we spoke about this. I don't know if we spoke about this uh, on the show or if it was just uh, socially. There was, an, there was an article in the Birmingham Mail where I think I don't think we should call the Birmingham Mail. It should be the Bruce Mail, really. But uh, where they were saying, oh, he deserves credit. I mean, Bruce deserves credit, full stop. But, you know, fans know that. They don't need to be told to uh, think that. But one of the things, well, the only thing they said was, oh, he's been really unlucky with injuries. I'll, I'll just read this point out because this is it's, it's another way of looking at it. It's, it's, sorry, this is Emmett Sutton. I'm still not a fan of Bruce, but can't argue with the results. 
expected max five points out of four with a game to go and we have nine from nine i think this is before the leeds game mm. i think he and we have been lucky with injuries sounds strange but green injured promoted adoma a right-sided player on the left and that has been a revelation also codger injury has forced leading line with davis which has us playing better now mm. this is this kind of echoes one of my thoughts bruce has been lucky with injuries in in uh, in this kind of warped uh, it's not really a warped way of thinking about it but there's two sides of two sides of the coin here yes we've missed codger green but you know we spent a lot of time talking about green and saying uh, why mm. He's not the finished article yet because he always runs it down the same channel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And look at the difference between how Adomar cuts in and almost becomes a centre forward when the ball's on the mm. right hand side. Mm. And the fact, yeah, that the, the, it hasn't been almost like proactively direct of Bruce switching things around and coming up with like super formations. His hand has been forced because Green went. And the big thing about uh, Villa going into this season was uh, what we're going to do. Uh, we, we've got loads of right-sided mid midfielders and defenders, but we've got nothing on the left. If Green goes, we got rid of Amavi. And if Green goes, what are we going to do? Because Adomo was Mr. Right Wing and played right wing up the whole of uh, right-sided midfield all of last season. And also Neil Taylor, once he's uh, croc, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And every time one of those players has gone out, we've had to play a right-sided player on that flank. And with a Domar, it hit gold, but it wasn't like planned, was it? I, I sort of half agree with it, with uh, with em, what Emmett's saying. I I think that Bruce has had his hand forced with injuries and, and has stumbled upon a, a couple of combinations that have definitely helped. What I, what I also think it's helped him with is it has perhaps saved him a couple of decisions that he might have had to have taken around people's poor form. And force the, you know, and he hasn't had to be forced to make that glaring public switch. I think the, the, the two, I'll use the two players that are that are mentioned in in Emmett's uh, email to us. That I, I think Green stood to be dropped anyway. I think he was yeah. suffering second season blues. You know, we you know you can refer back to the earlier podcasts where I think we, everyone knows about the talent that he offers, but he was struggling big time. What that caused, I suppose, was that Bruce looked into the market, got Snodgrass, and Adoma's switch was had nothing to do with Green's injury. It had to do with the fact that Snodgrass plays on his wrong foot on the other wing. So what that's maybe done is it switched Adoma into a position where he can cut but in. But there was nobody else. No, there was nobody else. But what, what I'm saying is the green injury prompted us to go into the market for Snodgrass, didn't it? Is that right? Is it wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it seemed an odd one because, I mean, we were thinking, well, we've got Elmo and mm. Adoma for that, for that right-hand flank. And then we brought Snodgrass and, you know, we know he's a left footer and you're thinking, oh, mm. okay. And then you're thinking, then he's saying, oh, I only play on the right-hand side, fools. <laughs> <laughs> so and then you're like, oh, I'd I have to look where... back on the timeline. I mean, the, I mean to be honest, I, I haven't actually picked the best example there. I mean, the biggest example was how Davis has, has almost changed everything. And, mm. you know, he's brought us together as a team and mm. he's got other people contributing goals, which we drastically mm. needed because Codger, essentially it was all about him in terms of the goals. Well, and he wasn't scoring, was he, when he got his injury? Because he was—he hasn't looked right since the, since he got the original ankle injury. I don't, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. So it, it is another way of looking at it, I guess, is is correct, yeah. If Without the injuries, Davis would have made a few subs appearances by now, I think. Mm. I couldn't have seen him. If Codger's fit, if Hogan's fit, I couldn't have sought, you know, at the start of the season, I don't, I don't see him starting in Bruce's mind. No, no. I, I mean, Green, so. I can see him uh, being benched because of form and having mm. a bit of a switch a Rooney around there. But, yeah. you know, Green really needed to be drip-feeded in and out of the team rather than uh, being the number 11 position mm. as, as his because he was showing he, he needed, uh, to, you know, he needed a bit of time to learn as well, sitting Absolutely. on the bench as well as uh, just doing what he was doing. He was making progress, but we're trying to get promoted. So it's we're not like a... Uh, you know, a charity, if you know what I mean, and it's definitely a valid point. I think mm -hmm. it's 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 really interesting to think about it because uh, it's interesting how it's framed as well. That not being a fan of Bruce, but you can't argue with the results. I I don't think many people would disagree with that. That that there are infuriating parts or very confusing ways in which Bruce approaches games, but. You can often arrive at the end when we've won, or we've, you know, we've we've spoken about some of the very obvious 
things that Bruce will do in terms of game management every week that aren't subtle at all, but they're damn effective a lot of the time. For, for instance, the, the the switch, you know, with the bringing on of Samba with a few minutes to go, or um, you know, like Yedinak. he was doing with Yedinak, for instance. You know, that sort of thing. It's just shut up shop, isn't it? Really, it's it's yeah. not cultured in any way, but it's you're protecting what you've got. But the thing is now, I don't think there's not that much room to get lucky with any more injuries. That's the problem. I would agree. <laughs> yeah, that's, we're, that's, we're at the bare bones now. Codger, you know, I'm not bothered. Terry, you know, as long as it's not super long term, mm. that's not a problem. Yedinak was actually, even though he's, as I said, played less than Gabby and Bjarnason, mm. uh, you could see his use through this winter period and... Mm. How he could shut up, shut up shop, and also give us legitimate options. You know, whether it's covering Terry or or Whelan as well. So that was that was my, I suppose, more of a concern than the two. I mean, mm. Codger gives you uh, he gives you something different going forward, and he can snatch a game from out of nowhere. I don't think he's the, the ideal player to be playing as your you know legit striking option. No, because I, I don't think he creates this the team that we have now. Oh, I agree. I'm just thinking of like the Sheffield Wednesday game, even Leeds. You throw him on there. Mm-hmm. Just to uh, you know, go for it because he can score out of nothing. We'll see. But as I said, yeah, no more injuries, uh, please, because no, I think nothing. the looks the looks uh, run out in that respect. Other question. Uh, this is this is a question looking for the future. I think we we kind of touched on it, and it was in the last episode. Anthony Smythe says, "How prepared are we for the Premier League? Johnson, Snodgrass, Anomar, Samba, and Terry all due to leave at the end of the season. Mm. Number of players most likely to not have their contracts renewed. A number of players in the twilight of their careers: Whelan, Hutton, Yedinek. Mm. Mm. Well, we aren't in the Premier League yet, and I think mm. uh, if we do go in the Premier League, we have to rebuild right yep. from the off. And absolutely, as we spoke about uh, last time when we touched on this, because." I think I think I said last time there was any really Chester who was a legitimate Premier League player. Chester and question mark with Hurahan, I think we said would we would yeah, hope and, he would flourish to become a Premier League player. And so then you're hoping that Lansbury, Hurahan, Grealish even, they actually step up and become Premier League players. Because at the moment, uh, I mean Hurahan's doing all right, but yeah. not on not on the Barnsley level yet. But no. the other two aren't even kicking on in this league. No. So oh. Suddenly, you, you're struggling to think of who's going to be in the first eleven now in the, in the Premier League, and then you're thinking about, oh, well, I hope we can keep Johnston or a Nomar or you know even Snodgrass, but those guys aren't going to be playing for Villa if we don't get promoted. So that that would be those three. Uh, the only way of keeping them or extending, you know, loans. I don't think it'll be an extension mm. of a loan. They'll be trying to buy them. Yeah. will be to stay in the Premier League. So uh, we are not prepared for the Premier League in any shape or form. I don't think. No, and I, I think. It's two things for me. I think if we don't get promoted, there has there'll be a natural culling anyway because those players will have failed us. If we do get promoted, I think that you look at you look at the model for the, of, of teams that have survived and then managed to kick on. Thinking principally of your Bournemouths is that they drag themselves kicking and screaming of whatever fashion out of the division, and then they say, right, who you know, you have to be ruthless. I think, and you know, just, well, t- take Elphick, you know, a, a, a captain who had led them from the lower divisions. Yeah. Second, they got promoted. He was he was gone. You know, he was it was one of those really works both ways. I think if we don't get promoted, there'll be a massive yeah. cull yeah. as well because either yeah. I don't think those loan players will come back. Johnson no, will no, so. will get will go Premier League. Uh, Chester, I think, will even try to get out because you can't really expect him to play three seasons in the Championship if he's got any ambition. He's in the prime of his career. Absolutely. And you know, the like would probably get Hudson back because his contracts up. He would probably stay if we're in the uh, in the. Mm. But then again, he's if we got could, a year or two left in him, hasn't he? If we don't get up with Hudson now, who's saying who's saying that we're going to get up next season? But we've already got mm. Bree. I think we'd play. We'd just go with Bree, wouldn't we? And Richie Delat would probably be sold. Yeah, and you got an older Yedinak, as this guy says. He's in the twilight of his career. He's not going to be as good as he is now, and you know he's injured mm. now. Yeah, if we don't get promoted, I think you'd see a natural culling of you know it'd be the we'd unfortunately be back into transitional stage again and looking to build something to, to as a platform to get out of the division and Premier League. You know, we 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 know what our relegated team looked like from the Premier League, and and that. You know, that was a mishmash of has-beens and players that were just never good enough. And, you know, it, it's a it's a massive it's a massive task because I think promotion would be a fantastic achievement. But then it would open up the door to the reality of, of having to buy seven or eight players just to stand still. 
Yeah. And that's, those have to be the right seven or eight players. It can't be Moneyball. Yeah, and this is one of the things, uh, as, as, uh, as I said to the question, we are not prepared. And we aren't a team that... We, we have been put together with a series of like elder statesmen, loans, mm-hmm. to do one job, and that's get up. This isn't a mm-hmm. team that's come through together like your Leicesters and Bournemouth and Swansea yeah. have over the years, and Burnley mm-hmm. and Huddersfield, and yeah, even Brighton as well. Yeah, Bob, yeah, they've all instilled these... Uh, Where the nucleus of the team and the way mm-hmm. they play and their attitude, they keep with it, obviously, in the Premier League. Obviously, they're going to buy, uh, to use the the, uh, the immortal term, quality. They're going to add some mm-hmm. quality to their team with like three, four, five players. But the the essence and their, you know the ethos of the team... It is still there. It's still instilled the kind of mentality that got them up. And you know these teams are successfully staying up uh, in the league. And I mean Burnley were were sixth, knocking on the door mm-hmm. of the Champions mm-hmm. League places until uh, I mean they got robbed a bit against uh, Arsenal when Arsenal visited there. We will literally be building from uh, the foundations upwards. Not a bad thing. Not an easy thing though. Absolutely. One more quick question, Joe Joe Seville, uh, and a couple of people have. Uh, questioned this about the players like McCormack, Gabby and Richard stealing a wage but this has been going on at Villa for a while now it's when they mistakenly get them on these big contracts pay them big money Mm. and these players suddenly lose appetite for it because they know that for however long three five years they're going to be paid 40 50 60 thousand a week Certainly the, the will to play football or the need to uh, be intensive, you know, about uh, playing it and the drive, sorry, the drive to do it just kind of evaporates when you've got that money sitting in your bank and you're starting to think of how to invest it and uh, spend it. I, uh, I agree with all those things and we've we've discussed, you know, the, the, the flop that is McCormack for whatever reason, Gabby's. Gabby's malaise of a career and Richards is, well, Richards is is, uh, is the case study of, of how not to develop as a 17-year-old footballer with, with the, you know, the, the world at your, at your fingertips, really. I, um, I think the, the only thing about the three, and, and there's countless examples in modern football now, and I was thinking about this the other day, is that it must be the only job that's, you know, considering how richly rewarded it is financially and with all the other trappings that come with it, no doubt is that if your capability of doing that job is in question, how you're still, you're not in breach of, of, of your own employment contract. I don't understand that. Yeah. And, you know, it's not something that I'm going to dwell on any great length, but I just find it baffling because, like you say, that, that you know, clubs like Villa and, and, and anyone else really will, will pay big money to get the talent as they see it. That talent will say, yeah, I'll come and I will deliver my talent, my said talent, and they don't. And you've got no recourse for that. I find that amazing. There should be some way of, uh, sorry, when you're trying to buy a player, you've got to, uh, you know, offer them incentives to get them in. Mm. Mm. But I'm just mm. wondering if there's any way in contracts you can say if you uh, make less than blah, blah, blah. You know, it's always like a, if you make, you know, you get appearance bonuses, you get mm. goal bonuses. And maybe it's have something in like in the second season, if you make less than 20 appearances, your you know wages will be cut the mm. next year by, you know, X amount of percent. Something that's like soft enough mm. to make the player think, well, that's not going to happen to me. So let's sign Ooh. this because the original terms are great. Because if you start putting in like negative things like that, it's just going to put them off and they'll say, well, right, I'm going to go to Everton instead because they're offering me this, offering me the same without all the bullshit. Just taking the three names that, that Joe has sent us, so you've got McCormack, Gabby and Richard. So McCormack, you've got a player who blatantly wasn't turning up for work. Yeah. Gabby had any num- has had any number of misdemeanours over the years that <laughs> any other job it would be gross misconduct. And Richards is actually incapable of playing a game of football. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Stealing That's- a wage is as close and accurate a statement from Joe as, as I think you're likely to see. I kept having hope for Richards because and I'm sure that's the, you know the reason why they got him in. They just thought this is like free transfer. This is uh, well, there's like, a reason things are free, David. Yeah, nothing. Like there's nothing podcast. in life. <laughs> <laughs> nothing in life is for free. Please become a patron. Patron <laughs> on the menu bar, myomanset.com. Yeah, nothing in life is for free. I think Bruce, when Bruce took the job, he thought, hmm, Richards, this, I, yeah, I, can be, yeah. I can be the man, like you thought with Gabby, I'm the man who uh, saves us a few bob in the long run mm-hmm. and, and actually gets some use out of these uh, players. Because he, he put him in the squad initially, and then he kind of thought, oh, God. oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> oh my God, Re- Remy Guard was right. <laughs> oh dear. 
Poor old Remy Gard stuck in Canada now. Yeah, he's let's see, he's managing the Montreal, Montreal mongooses or something, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, considering he was meant to be like the one of the great, the new Wenger and all this kind of stuff, he's he's. Uh, uh, I think Villa just shot him through. I think he's, he's <laughs> shot his nerves through and everything. A long line of broken individuals having had an association <laughs> with that football club. <laughs> right. Well, until uh, well, until the next show, and I don't know if there's going to be a next show. It depends if I decide to go to the German market on Saturday <laughs> <laughs> and uh, make it out alive. But I think I'll give that a, a wide berth. <laughs> I just have to think of a way to get to Villa Park that negates going through uh, the town. Centre. Maybe the maybe the Millwall will drop you off in their van. Oh yeah, I might. Yeah, I'll, I'll go on their message board see if they can give me a lift. <laughs> right until uh, the next podcast that may never happen due to RIP status. <laughs> it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. My old man Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.